Welcome to Words Matter, a series of informal conversations with people sharing words that matter to them. Whether it's quotes, poems, lyrics or film clips, words have the power to inspire us, provoke new thoughts and even change the way we live our lives. I'm your host, Kevin Watson, and I've been interested in how words engage, ignite and direct our imagination, not only as a coach for the past 17 years, but for as long as I can remember. In each episode, my guests will share words that matter to them, where they've come from and why they play such an important part in their life. I've got three great guests lined up for you today. First up, Sarah Putsey. So the first one is um, it's from the film Coach Carter, but I came across it from um, Marianne Williamson's one of her books, and it's um, it's quite a meaty it's, it's a meaty quote. Um, so it says, "Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us." And we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? And then it goes into talking about, you know, you're a child of God and all of that. And I mean, you know, regardless of your beliefs, um, whatever, it's just, it's, just, it's just beautiful in that it says, you know, you're playing small doesn't serve the world. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's, it's just not in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That's so, a great quote. I, I, it's, I have to say, it's one of my favourites. Yeah, it's one of my favourites, and certainly resonates with me. And and both in Coach Carter and in in the Marianne Williamson original. Yeah. What, what does it mean for you? Um, I suppose it's always about, and you know, it's it's when I worked with clients over the years, it's about having the courage to. That no matter what's happening in your life is having the courage to allow that light to come to the surface. And even if people are rebuffing that, if they're rejecting it, not my problem. Not my problem. I'm going to, you know, my problem is just to allow my my light to shine then. And, um, and I, you know, I strongly believe that that is in all of us. Mm. So... Yeah, in a nutshell, that's what it means to me. Mm. And and when you first heard it, did it um, resonate because that's the way you were thinking all along, or has it changed the way you thought? Yeah, and and both is the answer okay. to that. So it, it cool. resonated with me, um, yeah. and, and I I kind of knew it. It's, I I love that quote. It's it's one of my favourite or my poem indeed. It's one of my favourites, and uh, I know when I first heard it. It uh, it did both, I think, as you say, that resonated yeah. and also kind of made me think about how I live my life and, and what I do sometimes. So I yeah. can relate to that one. It's it's. I think the thing about words is that if somebody, it's like you can you can almost think when you're writing something yourself that um, well, it's already been said, but it's the way somebody puts something in a frame that you can kind of it sinks in, you know, and it yeah. really pins down and creates power behind what you're resonating with, you know? 
Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And of course, used in uh, Nelson Mandela used that as well, which you'll be familiar with, I'm sure, in his inaugural speech. He's often credited with it, which I'm sure Marion Williamson would have something to say about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and a great film, Coach Carter. So many different yeah. tips in there, which uh, are inspiring too. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. And thanks for bringing that poem too. It still remains one of the most inspiring ones I've ever heard. Now it's over to Paul Starbuck. The first real management book I, I, I read, I mean, I'd read all the kind of one-minute management stuff, um, one-minute manager range, um, but the first one I got a real good substance out of was uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's as good today as it was 25-plus years ago than when he, when he released it. Um, and there's a whole range of books he did, one the Principal Centered Leadership and you know, a few others. And I thought it was a cracking book. And a book that I've read four or five times, it's the only book I've ever read more than once. You know, I mean that's 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 the impact it had. And then as I as I as I um, as I grew as a leader, I got quite interested in psychology and, and that type of stuff and read quite a lot of the um, you know, transactional analysis stuff, the um, NLP, all that kind of stuff, probably 20, 30 years ago. Um, and really, really enjoyed all that kind of stuff. But then, then kind of drifted away from it all and became, became fascinated by just those one-liners or those paragraphs or those sentences that were really kind of powerful. Or, um, and I started collecting them. So in my, in my, uh, on, my, uh, on my hard drive here, there is a, I pulled up a picture, a, a selection of about 20-odd different quotes that I'd picked out. I thought these were, these were the ones that were probably the ones that probably meant the most to me, really. What was it, before you do that, I was interested, you kind of started off with a book, the whole kind of theme of that book, the whole content of that book by Covey, and then at some point the quotes or the passages started to resonate more, if I understood that rightly? They, they yeah, kind of I stuck more? I think they did, yeah, I think they did. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was, you know, we talked about one earlier, and you know, this, was, this was quite an important one for me. So uh, life begins at the edge, edge of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I love that. I love that because it, for me, as somebody that was you know, a very effective leader, good at what I did, um, comfortable what I did, um, actually, I could be guilty at times of not necessarily putting myself in that space where I stretched myself, um, you know, felt a little bit uncomfortable, and, and therefore progressed my skills or, de- or developed my skills, progressed my career in that kind of way. And, mm. and when I came across that quote, it stuck with me, and it stuck me for a long time. And every time I was in those situations, you know, one of those kind of big boots leadership meetings, you kind of sat there thinking, I've got something to say on this. Yeah. You know, like, right, life begins as your comfort zone. Let's take that step into that space, and let's give it a go, and let's see what happens. Yeah. And it's quite amazing what happens. You know, once you give it a go and you kind of get, get involved with it, it is quite amazing. I think yeah. another good example would be um, you know, the world of coaching and networking in particular. You and I talked about that uh, the first time we, uh, we, we were on a call, that you know, networking per se was not necessarily something I'd ever done. Yeah. Um, but now I've got into the kind of, you know, I also got my head around it and got into the routine of it. The first few times I did it, it was like, oh, my God, you know, do people really, you know, will people really be interested? Will they just kind of judge me and think, oh, my God, well, what's he doing that for? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now I don't think about it. I just, you know, think, oh, that's, that's a really good quote. I like that quote. Let me share that, you know. And Cool. But life begins at the end of your comfort zone. I quite, I quite like that. Quite, I quite like that as a, as a one-liner, but it's quite powerful, I think. 
And and what was it about the time that you first came across that that enabled that to stick? Was something happening at that time, Paul? Or it... I think, um, yeah, I think my career had got up to a bit of a crossroads and it was, okay. it was bogged down a little bit and I couldn't see where the next progressive role was coming from. And, you know, I, the feedback I was getting and the all the kind of career mapping was all great, you know, it was all saying the right stuff. Yeah, 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 you're the next one to get the, the big role, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, be a good boy, don't get into trouble. Um but I kept getting some feedback that just didn't really say it. But but what I took from it in the end, when I really sat down and thought about, well, what, what what do I need to do next? It was that, you know, putting yourself into the place where you're doing the next leader's role for them. You know, yeah. the you know, I was always very good at being one step ahead of the rest and you know, being being a good citizen, a good team player for sure. <laughs> Um, you know, whatever the, whatever my line manager needed me, I was there. You know, whatever. But you know, I think it was it was just pushing yourself to be to contribute at a different level. I think that's the way I took it. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think that I think that really helped me actually. It's a great quote, and and I, I fully subscribe to that myself. I think quite consciously since oh probably 2000, 2001, I've put myself in really uncomfortable situations. And my people who know me reasonably well, they'll know that that's the case. I, I often put myself in situations which are completely alien to me just to see how I cope. Thanks, Paul. Next, it's our final guest for today, but it's a returning one. Felicity Healy-Benson, who also featured in episode one, Felicity, what have you got for us today? I was seeking, you know, just some, some inspiration. And I, I did, I'd already read and come across um, a gentleman called John O'Donoghue, who is a, an Irish, um, oh, he's passed himself, Irish poet and philosopher. And I kind of turned to him in the past before about various, you know, trials or whatever that I come through in my, in my life a bit like hot chocolate for the soul. Um, <laughs> and, um, and my dad, by the way, um, was, is, I, 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 I struggle with prepositions because I see my dad is, not was, but anyway, connections yeah. there with the, the Irish um, voice and the kind of um, the, the, the accent. Um, he, he, he wrote something about um, absence and I, I, I'll read it out to you. Mm. It's, it's from one of his collections called Eternal Echoes. And it says, um, may you know that absence is full of tender presence and that nothing is ever lost or forgotten. May the absences in your life be full of eternal echo. May you sense around you the secret elsewhere which holds the presences that have left your life. May you be generous in your embrace of loss May the sore of your grief turn into a well of seamless presence. May your compassion reach out to the ones we never hear from, and may you have the courage to speak out for the excluded ones. And maybe other people won't pick up on nuances there, but the words particularly about finding presence in absence was fundamentally um, kind of... Um, sort of it was my point of rescue because I realized that um I could actually maintain his presence through feeling his absence and it was okay for not to me to bury my grief but to embrace my grief and so there was messages there about how I could um 
continue to, you know, for him, it's not that he was forgotten and disappear. And yes, we've got memories, but I needed to kind of have almost an ongoing relationship with him to yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, so, and it also taught me something about the importance of voice. Um, and it was actually one of the trigger reasons as well. That I set up my Emergent um, Thinkers website because I've, I've never bothered to sort of like publish stuff or write my thoughts down before. Yeah, share them in a in a, um, a meeting setting or or whatever. But to actually, you know, publish and share to the world, I didn't, it hadn't necessarily had any value for me. But I realized that um, sharing voices and stories was actually phenomenally important. Um, so... And I also got to like talk about him and, and reflect through my experiences of, you know, when I went back to Ireland to a conference and I went without him um, when I hadn't gone to Ireland before without him and et cetera. And I could weave him in. And it was a form of um, ever, I, I was evoking him into a presence through, so it's not a, a physical presence, but in a, in, in through feelings and memories that was actually calming and soothing. And, and, and it's actually kind of, really made me even more kind of so intent that life stories and people's stories have a have a have a, a role in academic writing mm. telling a story being trusted to collect other stories and so there's there's themes there of presence and absence there's themes there about opening your new mind opening your mind to new ways of perceiving the world and solidifying an even deeper reverence for for human existence that we're here at all. So, um, so yeah, so that that poem healed on a number of levels, as well as empowered me to um, to sort of have a voice for other people to share and to be interested in other people's stories and the generational mm. lives that actually go before them that allow them to have that voice today. Mm. Is, it a, a, is it a Native American, one of the Native American tribes, or, or, or some indigenous people, you know, believe that their ancestors, they never die as long as you remember them and hold their memory and keep yeah. the stories alive. And I think for me, that certainly resonates. My parents passed away a couple of years ago, quite close to each other. They'd been married pretty much all their lives. So it was no surprise that uh, one passed after the other. And and my father wasn't so much of a a big passing to me. It's going to sound really uh, odd. Uh, somewhere I remember having read The Power of Now, if you've read that by Eckhart Tolle, mm. that I took from that, about the only thing I took from that, apart from living in the present, was uh, I remember a passage which talked about grieving about people before they've even died, you know, almost pre-death grieving, mm. so that when they die, it makes that, easier and I'd, and I'd kind of done that with my father in some way thought I'd done it with my mother and hadn't at all I still have conversations with her quite often times um, and watch certain programs on telly which not ones I would necessarily want to watch um, but I know that her and I have watched them together and and we'll often have that conversation with her so again thank you because that I love that passage and again I'll look that out and keep that one myself because uh, that for me is really special to keep people alive as though they're still here. In fact, not as though they're still here, but they are still here mm -hmm. in, in a shape and in a form. I think for me is really powerful in helping me deal with passing of people. So, so I, can, I, I can certainly recognise that on my terms, so thanks. And thanks to all of my guests today, Sarah Potsy, 
Paul Starbuck and Felicity Healy Benson. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. I hope these conversations and words have inspired you in some way too. And I look forward to bringing you more next time on Words Matter. Words Matter.